0: oh hell no that is scary hello everyone welcome back to black people don't do ghosts where the culture meets the afterlife I'm your host and creator, Cassia Jones, and thank you so much for listening. Make sure to share this podcast with everyone you know. Let's keep your girl going and these episodes being made. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a weekly episode release. I have two true paranormal stories for you today, so we are going to jump right into them. Our first story comes from listener Kenzie Anderson. This story took place around 1993 or 1994 in Paradise, California. Okay, I'ma just start. When I was a baby, I was a part of a paranormal activity. And since I can't remember this, my mom gave me all of the details. Both my parents worked when I was born, so our next-door neighbor, Ruth Bond, offered to watch me every day at her house. She watched me until I was about a year old, maybe a little older. I was definitely still in a crib. My mom said Ruth absolutely adored me and loved taking care of me every day. She would watch me for free. That's how much she wanted to take care of me. The only thing I know about Ruth was that she was in her 70s, was a local realtor in town, and lived next to my dad for 12 years before he met my mom and she moved in. Do I often question my parents' judgment of letting a 70-year-old woman watch me? Well, yes, because one day Ruth dropped dead in her house from a heart attack. What if she'd been watching me, mom and dad? I guess my parents just couldn't pass up the free childcare. So Ruth died. R.I.P. Ruth, and also, can we bring back the name Ruth? Soon after Ruth's death, my mom began to notice something strange occurring in our home. My bedroom light, as well as the upstairs living room light, would be turned on when she would go to check on me. My mom knows she did not leave them on, and my dad swears he did not leave them on. My parents' house was this old split-level home built in the 1940s, and it was always cold. It only had wood stoves to heat the house. My bedroom was upstairs, the farthest it could possibly be from my parents' downstairs bedroom. So who was turning these lights on? How were they turning them on and why? My mom began to get really freaked out when every night for a week, she would go to check on me in the middle of the night and both my light in my room and the living room light outside my room would be turned on. Now the light switch in my room was your standard old school up and down light switch. However, the light switch in our living room, it was the 1970s looking beige round knob that you had to twist to turn and twist back to turn off and it would click. This was all becoming way too creepy. After a week of this horror show and my dad probably getting so fucking annoyed at my mom for asking him if he left the lights on and freaking out about it, my mom decided to confide in one of her co-workers at the antique shop where she worked. Side note, we love the antique shop, okay? Jenny's was a treasure trove. So my mom's co-worker said, just talk to her, meaning Ruth, and see what happens. My mom thought it was so weird and silly, but didn't know what else to do. So later that night, when she came up to check on me and found all the lights on again, she stopped and started talking to Ruth. My mom said, It's okay, Ruth. Kenzie's okay. We're taking care of her now, and she's safe. You don't have to stay here anymore. You can go now. It's okay. My mom then turned off the lights and went back to bed. And after that night, when my mom spoke to Ruth's spirit in my room, the lights never came on in the middle of the night again. Our next true paranormal story comes from listener Justin Mack. So, my ghost story is semi-entertaining and takes place in Kansas City, Missouri. A group of us were staying at my friend's parents' house. My friend, who I will leave unnamed for this story, is white. We hung out there often when he came back to town from college. We had been friends for about six or seven years at this point. We were hanging out and went to the basement of his parents' house to play pool and drink. Now this was my first time staying overnight at his parents' house. His parents' house was pretty big. So naturally you'd have a tendency to look around. It was a pretty normal house and nothing ever felt weird or off-putting until this night. As we descended to the basement down the stairs, the first thing I notice is a goat head sculpted out of stone sitting on top of his fireplace. Now for me, This was red flag one through three already. I address it with him, but can't remember exactly why they have it. I'm pretty sure they weren't into anything satanic. So finally, all four of us decide to lay down and go to sleep. We are sleeping in the basement. Yes, the same basement that has the goat head sculpted out of stone sitting on top. Of his fireplace. My friend eventually turns the lights off in the basement and it is pitch black. While we lay in the dark, my friend proceeds to talk about growing up in this house. He tells us that once when he was sleeping, he woke up and saw a woman in all white in the hallway outside of his room when he had been home alone. Me, registering this quickly I sit up and I tell my friend to turn on the lights right now he does and I proceed to tell him that when he has me over to lead with his house having ghosts in it I'm not trying to have anything latch on to me nice or not I can barely pay rent as it is and I don't need a ghost to live with me rent free both of our true paranormal stories this week Come with a form of attachment. Now, many earthbound spirits will attach themselves to someone because they find comfort in reliving some of the physical aspects of their life. Ghosts and spirits are drawn to children because of their purity and light, and they have newly crossed over from the other side. When a friend or loved one passes on, they may also find comfort in watching over you or protecting you. In Kenzie's story, we learn about Ruth, her elderly next door neighbor that babysat her for free because she had formed such a great attachment to Kenzie when she was a baby. After Ruth passed on and seemingly without being able to say goodbye to Kenzie, it seemed as though her spirit wanted to continue to watch over her. As a means of showing that she was still there for baby Kenzie, Ruth used the lights in baby Kenzie's room and home to show her that she was still there for her. It wasn't until Kenzie's mother spoke out loud in her room and addressed Ruth directly, letting her know that they, her parents, were taking care of her and keeping her safe, that Ruth could go now that she finally did. And Ruth did not make her presence known any longer. Intuition and superstition guide us in ways we are very aware of and sometimes not aware of. Black people have passed down guidance through superstition, songs, and rituals since the beginning of time. In Justin's story, we see his intuition speaking to him when he sees the sculpted goat head hanging over the fireplace. In a basement, where he is going to sleep in the dark with his friends. He had a feeling that something wasn't right. And he was worried after his friend told him that he had indeed encountered a ghost in his home, that something would attach itself to him as well. Goat heads are often used in rituals, which are not always associated with positive energy. In the satanic church, goat heads are an official symbol. Now, this does not mean Justin's friend or family participated in satanic rituals at all. As a matter of fact, he confirmed with me that he never saw or heard anything of the sort take place within his friend's home. As soon as Justin descended those stairs, he was immediately taken back when he saw the goat head. His intuition and superstition kicked in. Turns out his ambivalence about being in a dark basement with a random goat head sitting in the room was right, as his friend then goes on to tell him about a ghost he had seen in the home previously. Now, black moms have a saying, okay, when you're outside and you're playing, you have to be home before the street lights come on. It's a phrase our moms have said to generations of us forever. Lights are seen as a safety net. They comfort us and guide us home. Lights protect us and let us know we are not alone. Do you believe a loved one can guide and protect you from the spiritual realm? Have you ever been guided by the light? Has your intuition or a superstitious belief protected you from harm? I know I definitely have been saved from harm by someone looking out for me in the spiritual realm. Now, I don't know if it is a loved one that had passed on or a guardian angel, but there's a particular day that comes to mind. Of course, when you're a tween, you love hanging out at the mall. My friend Marissa and I would hang out at the Dalamo mall. If you are familiar, With Los Angeles, California, especially the South Bay part of Los Angeles, you are familiar with the Delamo Mall. And in the 90s, the Delamo Mall was the place to be. Now, of course, we're tweens. We couldn't even drive. My parents had to drop us off there. We had maybe $20 if we were lucky. We spent most of our time walking around, buying a lemonade, maybe going to Cinnabon or the arcade. The Dalma Mall is completely different now, but at that time it was this really cool place of comfort and fun, and you felt really safe there. There was this store where this guy worked that Marissa and I thought was the cutest guy in the world. Now, as a tween, it really doesn't take much for a guy to get your attention. He was good looking, he was older. He worked at this really cool store that had a DJ in it. And at that time, having a DJ in a store made everybody want to be at that store. This store in particular sold clothes that were for like the hip hop urban uh, scene. So there would be so many cute boys in that store. One of the workers whose name I will say is Jonathan. We're going to go with that for anonymity. I don't want anybody to be able to connect him to this story. Jonathan was so cute. He was tall. He was older. And he knew Marissa and I had a crush on him. We would constantly walk past that store and stare at him and smile and dare each other to wave. So one day after walking by for the one millionth time, We went in and actually talked to him. He said hi to us, and he was actually talking to us. We could not believe it. This older guy who worked in the cool store with the DJ wanted to talk to us. Not only did he want to talk to us, he told us that he was going to take his lunch break and go home and invited us to go with him. Now, adult me can see this is completely inappropriate, and absolutely terrifying. And I can yell at myself, get your ass out of that damn store. That is not okay. But when you're 14, you're in the eighth grade. You think that an older guy who works at the cool store that everybody hangs out at, inviting you to his house during his lunch break is absolutely normal. Marissa and I were in heaven. So we hang around the store for a little while longer as we wait for Jonathan to be able to take his lunch break. And when he does, he tells us to follow him to his car. So not only are we walking through the mall with this older guy, thinking that everything is all great and wonderful and normal because we're so excited that our crush likes us. We go out of the mall with this adult man and to his car. I don't even know what my younger self was Well, clearly I was thinking nothing. I was not smart enough, nor was I aware enough to even think that something bad was happening. Especially when you have one of your friends with you and you're both so excited about something. The thought that this could be a negative or a dangerous situation It didn't immediately pop in my mind like it does now, adult me looking back on the actions of younger me. As we walk out of the mall excitedly towards his car, he gets in his car and tells us to get in. He walks around to the driver's side and he puts his key in the ignition and he goes to start his car and the car will not start. Marissa and I kind of stand to the side, not really knowing what to do. I can't recall if we actually sat in the car or if we just stayed outside of the car, but I'm pretty sure we actually did get in the car, you guys. Jonathan kept trying over and over and over to start his car, but it would not start. I remember him being frustrated because it just wouldn't start. And he just kept trying over and over and over. For some reason, his car would not start that day. We all walked back into the mall together, and honestly, I can't remember what happened for the rest of the day. Marissa and I obviously were safe, and like usual, my mom or my dad picked us up from the mall. Looking back on that, I know that there was someone protecting Marissa and I. Because why the hell would a man want to take two 13 and 14 year old girls into his car to his home on his lunch break from the mall. There was absolutely nothing appropriate about that situation. There was absolutely nothing safe about that situation. And yet he had driven his car to work with absolutely no problems. But when we were supposed to be in that car going off to who knows where He was going to take us and do whatever he was going to do. His car did not start. And because his car did not start, we were safe. I know 100%. There was a guardian angel or an elder in the spiritual realm protecting us. And I thank God for them. Because who knows what would have happened to two tween girls who excitedly hopped in a man's car to go home with him on his lunch break. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Black People Don't Do Ghosts, where the culture meets the afterlife. Again, I'm your hosting creator, Cassia Jones, and I appreciate you being here. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with everybody. Let's keep your girl going. Let's keep these episodes rolling, because I love bringing the culture to the paranormal. Today's two stories were brought to us by Kenzie Anderson and Justin Mack. Kenzie is a fashionista maven and can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Kenbag, K-I-N-B-A-G. And Justin Mack is a writer and videographer that can be found on Twitter at Cosmic Rafiki, C-O-S-M-I-C-R-A-F-I-K-I. That was very Mickey Mouse Club, the way I said that, but I don't care. I loved the Mickey Mouse Club. I am a 90s kid. If you also love the Mickey Mouse Club, shout out to all my Mickey Mouseketeers because we were about that life. All right. Thanks so much for listening. And if you or someone you know has had a true paranormal encounter, please send your stories along with consent to use to my email address at ghosts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I love you. And remember, the paranormal is always around us, whether we see it or not. Oh hell no! That is scary.